Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again this week and once again thank you for joining us every week at the same time as we dig deeper in the Word of God. We have been in a series for the last several months where we're teaching from the books of Restoration, Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, Zechariah, and we're talking about the roadmap to Reformation is what we're calling this. And if you've missed any of them, I encourage you to go back and watch them on our YouTube channel or go back and get the audio portions of it on our podcast or our RSS feed for your Android device. And you can go back and watch them on demand by simply going to my website in the upper right hand corner there's an icon where you can click that will take you directly to our YouTube channel where you can watch and review these. I encourage you to do that. I know there are churches that and home uh, fellowship groups that pull these down on a evening and watch them together as a group and then discuss some things and uh, we've got some folks that are using these even in their uh, leadership uh, classes for how to build leadership for a season of Reformation. Uh, we've been showing you how that uh, the books of Nehemiah are pictures of, I believe, a greater rebuilding that God is doing in the earth. And that rebuilding is His temple, that rebuilding is His city, and we showed you in prior segments how the temple of God in the New Covenant is not a place, it's a people. And the New Covenant city of God is the community of faith. It is the bride, the Lamb's wife. And in Revelation 21, it is coming down from God out of heaven uh, as a bride adorned for her husband and the leaves of the trees that are in the midst of this city will be for the healing of the nation. Isn't it amazing that the Scripture says that the righteous will flourish like a palm tree, he'll grow like a cedar in Lebanon, and we're like trees planted by living waters whose leaves will not fade. I think that he's not talking about the tree in your backyard, but being a people that could release something in the earth of life to a creation that really needs desperately the healing to flow from this great city of God. I believe that's the city God is restoring. I don't want to go back and review too much because I want to cover some ground. We've been going through how the twelve gates of Nehemiah symbolize something we must enter into in order to see Reformation continue. We've, we've already touched several of the gates. We've talked about the dung gate, the fountain gate, the sheep gate. We are now talking about the fish gate. We talked about last week the fish gate because the fish gate speaks of evangelism. Now let me read my text and then we'll get back in here and unpack some things again this week. This is Nehemiah the third chapter. And Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brethren the priest and they built the sheep gate. We talked about that in length. They sanctified it and set up the doors of it under the tower of Mia and they sanctified it under the tower of Hananiel. And I showed you last week how these two names are significant. Hananiel, his name means favor, grace, or, uh, or it means uh, the favor of God, or uh, the grace of God. It means the place of God's favor. And the Tower of Mia means to the Tower of the 100. And I showed you how that is the grace of God that saves us as we enter in through the Sheep Gate. We find that Jesus is the door 
into the sheepfold. He is the sheep gate. He is the only access into uh, the city of God, and He is the door. And so uh, we're thankful for that initial salvation uh, or, or that access through the door, which is the good shepherd of the sheep. But as we go on even to the fish gate, we see that grace doesn't cease, but it continues to operate all through this restoration process. I, you know, uh, I shared in other segments how out of the book of Zechariah, while Zechariah is a priest working with Ezra and Nehemiah in this rebuilding, thank God for people who work alongside of you. Thank God for prophets like Haggai and Zechariah that encouraged the people in the work. But it was Zechariah who said this. He said, Who art thou, great mountain, that stands before Zerubbabel? In other words, who are you that's trying to resist this reformation? But he goes on to say that that mountain would be removed with shouts of grace, grace, and that the capstone and the cornerstone would be laid with shouts of grace, grace to it. Not doom, despair, not agony, not a preaching of a message of doom and despair. Listen, I'm telling you there's way too many old covenant prophets prophesying right now doom and despair when we need somebody to shout grace, grace. That's the only thing that's going to move the mountains. Now I think it's incredible that you see that Zerubbabel prophesies that, and in the same chapter he talks about the appearance of a man coming on the scene whose name is called the branch. Well, we know that's a picture of Jesus. He is the, he is the branch uh, out of the stem of Jesse, and uh, you know, capitalizes it in Zechariah, the man whose name is called the branch, and that it would come and that the mountain would be removed with shouts of grace, grace to it. And it's not an accident that in the first chapter of John, he said, Moses gave you the law, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, and of His fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. Oh, it, he, said, he repeats it. I think it's one of the only places where he repeats it again. Grace for grace. So it's grace that begins this journey. It's grace that sanctifies us. And it's grace that brings us to the Tower of Meal, which is the Tower of Hundred, which to me speaks of the hundredfold maturity. But even as you come to a place of maturity, you're going to find a different way of being able to catch fish. And we're going to talk about evangelism as we talk about the fish gate. Because Hassanah also built to, uh, he was the one, uh, the, the sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. Hassanah means the one who is uh, elevated or the idea of lifting up. His name also means thorns or the thorny place. The idea of this name is that it's talking about the one who was lifted up and wore a crown of thorns to redeem us from a cursed earth. And we talked about that the last segment. I'm not going to review it much except to say Jesus wore a crown of thorns to redeem us from the curse of Adam that was upon the earth when God said, you will earn your bread by the sweat of your brow. The last Adam in another garden, <laughs> a garden called Gethsemane, he prayed until he sweated. He sweated until he sweated great drops of blood. It is imperative that he sweats until he bleeds. Because if one drop of blood from the divine brow ever touches a cursed earth, 
It will put the curse in reverse that says you've got to earn your bread by the sweat of your brow. Jesus redeemed us from works and labor. Hallelujah. Thank God that it was grace that's building this section of the wall and bringing us into the fish gate. I'm telling you, that's the reason there's a great harvest coming is because the earth no longer has to bring forth thorns and thistles. He was lifted up on Calvary's tree and crowned with a crown of thorns that He might redeem us from the curse. And then He's crowned with a crown in Daniel, I believe it is chapter 7, where He's declared to be Lord by the resurrection of the dead. I want to go on and just move a little beyond that now, though in this sec section, because I want to talk more about uh, the uh, I want to talk more about the fish gate. One of the things that I put in my notes was Ezekiel the forty-seven chapter said after afterward he brought me again under the door of the house, and behold waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward to the forefront of the house stood toward the east and waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. There's water that's flowing out from underneath of the altar and out of the house of God. And Revelation chapter 21, there is a river that's pure, clear as a crystal. There's no wormwood in it. There's no bitterness. There's no waters of Meribah. There's no frogs or unclean spirits coming out of this river. It's a pure river, clear as a crystal and in Revelation chapter 22, it's flowing out of the throne and out of a slain lamb. In other words, the source of this river that is flowing out of the temple of God, and then he tells us that we are the temple of God. What Know you not that you are the temple of the living God. That there's a river that's flowing out from underneath of the threshold of the house of God, and it's flowing from the altar. Hallelujah. I'm telling you the message that's been declared from this ministry is a message that's coming from under the altar. And that altar has the blood of sprinkling on it that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. It's a river that's flowing from the redemptive work of Jesus Christ and it's flowing out from underneath of the threshold of the house of God and it's flowing eastward. And he said, Behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the ankles. Again he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the knees. Again he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters were to the loins, and afterward he measured a thousand, and it was a river that could not be passed over. For the waters were risen, waters to swim in a river that could not be passed over. And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. Now when I re had returned, behold, at the, brink, at the bank of the river were very many trees on the one side and on the other. Does it remind you of the book of Revelation? Chapter 21 where he talks about there's a tree on both sides of the river and that tree will produce fruit and leaves that will heal the nations. The answer to the problems of our society in this hour is not in the governments of this earth, but in the kingdom of God and from the city of God and from the temple of God to begin to release a flow of a river that flows from under the altar. And he goes on to say, it was a river that could not be passed over. Now when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river, there were very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said unto me, These waters issue out toward the east country, and they go down into the desert. 
and go into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea, the waters shall be healed. And it shall come to pass that everything that lives, which moveth, whithersoever the river shall come, shall live. Everything that's touched by this river will live. And there shall be a very great, watch this, this is the verse, I read this, all of this to show you this, and it says, I'm going to read it again, and it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the river shall come, shall live, and there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed, and everything shall live whither the river cometh. So he's talking about something that will produce a great catch of fish. And we know when we start to speak uh, about the new covenant, I'm going to get over there in the Gospels and show you that when Jesus called His disciples, He said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And we're going to explore that a little bit because there's some methods of fishing that He addresses with these apostles that I believe will give us some answers for how to evangelize and how to catch men in this new covenant paradigm. But he said, Everything shall live whither the river cometh, and it shall come to pass that the water shall stand upon it from Engedi even unto Engleum, and they shall be a place to spread forth their nets, and their fish shall be according to their kinds, as the fish of the great sea, exceeding many, but the Maori places thereof, and the marshes thereof shall not be healed. They shall be given to salt, and given to salt. And by the river upon the bank thereof on this side and on that side shall grow all trees for meat, whose leaves shall not fade, neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. It shall bring forth new fruit according to his months, because their waters they issued out of the sanctuary, and the fruit thereof shall be for meat, and the leaf thereof shall be for medicine. Now I think that's incredible, because what uh, uh, the prophet Ezekiel was saying here, I believe that was in Ezekiel uh, the 47th chapter, he said, he showed me waters issuing out from the house of God. In this series on Reformation that we have been sharing, I, I think I have clearly shown you that in the New Covenant, the temple of God is not a building in the Middle East. God is not interested in buildings made with hands. In the New Covenant, it's a living temple. It's a habitation of God through the Spirit. And we are, Paul said, what do you not know? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And Jesus said to them in, I believe it is John 14, He said, uh, for, He spoke of the Holy Spirit, and He said uh, concerning them that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, as the Scripture hath said. I believe there is a river whereof the streams make glad the city of God. I think the thing that I've noticed as I travel across the nations, and I have for 41 years, is that every group I go to thinks they're the river when they're just a stream. But if these streams could ever come together in unity, and we'll talk about that a little bit in one of the upcoming segments, if they could ever come together, they would create a river. And that river would create such a flow that it would be an ir uh, 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 impossible to cross over that river. I, I love how it said the water was raising and it was to the ankles and then it was to the knees and a lot of stuff could be said about that. But uh, the emphasis I want to put on it today right now is that 
it was a river that could not be escaped. It could not be crossed over. When you get in this river and you get in this river that's flowing out of the finished work of Jesus Christ, out from underneath the threshold of the house of God, out from underneath of the altar, you're going to see a river that is uh, impossible to avoid. And it is going to, I, I really believe that as our message shift, it's going to become more and more enticing to the fish, if you will. Because he said there's going to be an abundance of fish that are caught. The fishers are going to cast their nets and they're going to bring in an exceeding many fish. And he said that wherever this water and wherever this river flows, everything lives. It goes into the desert. It goes into the dry places. It causes the desert to rejoice and blossom abundantly. It causes the place where it's dry. I was thinking last weekend while I was in South Carolina ministering, uh, I thought about the scripture where Jesus said, when the unclean spirit is going out of a man, he walks through dry places looking for a place to go and he can't find any, so he goes and finds seven spirits just like that to go back and repossess that man. And I just heard the Spirit of the Lord say to me that unclean spirits look for dry places. Probably some of the times when we're the most volatile or we're the most able to fall prey to unclean spirits or to attacks of the enemy is when we're in our dry places, in our desert places. That's why it's so vitally important, I believe, to be around the people and to feed from and drink from the water of life. I'm telling you, what we feed our minds and our spirits on is important. The message you're preaching or the message you are consuming or feeding on, if it is doomed to spare, if they're not shouting grace, grace, like I said earlier in this segment, if they're not preaching the gospel of peace, it's probably flowing from an old covenant paradigm. And it does not collect fish. It sends them away. It creates dry places and desert places. And people are depressed and fearful. And, and uh, man, of all the times that we need somebody to stand up and declare some good news and some hope, no wonder he would declare in Zechariah again, Zechariah being a contemporary with Nehemiah and working with them to encourage the people. He said to them, return to me you prisoners of hope, because of the blood of your covenant. I believe that we can return as prisoners of hope, not prisoners of doom and despair, but because of the blood of this new covenant, God has only good things in store for us. Oh yeah, there's a I, I, make no mistake about it. I, I, it's not that I have my head in the sand and don't realize we've got some very real problems out there. But I can tell you, looking at the problems is not what's going to solve the problem. You're going to have to get the spirit of what was the guy's name I talked about earlier, and it's the spirit of uh, uh, Hassanai, which means to be elevated or lifted up. You're going to have to get your head lifted up out of the doom and despair and start to hear from heaven. I was reminded of the time when David was uh, becoming king over all of Israel, and they were about to anoint him in Hebron as the king. The Philistines began to come against him because they heard that David had been made king, and the enemy was not happy about David being king. I believe that speaks of a greater son of David, our King Jesus, who has been declared king and lord. And, uh, you know, the enemy is not happy when you start to preach that King Jesus is now king. And so 
he he was set himself in array against King David, and David went before the Lord and said, "Shall I go up?" And he said to the to him, "Don't go up." But he said, "Go round behind them and set uh, an ambushment against them from behind him." And when you hear a sound above the mulberry trees and a rustling in the mulberry bush, you will go up at once, and God will deliver them into your hands. Do you know that the word mulberry tree comes from the root word baca, which means the valley of weeping? And what he says to him is, when you hear a sound above the weeping, man, I feel the Lord this morning. When you hear the Lord, a sound above, uh, actually they were in the valley of Rephaim, which means the valley of giants. They were in the valley of giant trouble. And they were weeping and in despair, but God said, when you hear... When you hear a sound above the giant trouble you're in, when you hear a sound above the weeping, what is it the psalmist says? He said, blessed is the man when passing through the valley of Baca or the valley of weeping, he makes it a well. I am afraid that just like Ezra and Nehemiah, they, the prophet prophesied in another place, and he said, by the rivers of Babylon we sat down, we hanged our harps on the willow tree. And they of the captivity required of us a song saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. But how can we sing the song of Zion when we're in a strange land? See, I, by the rivers of Babylon is where they were at during this Babylonian, during this captivity with Ezra and Nehemiah. They are in Babylonian captivity at first. And it's by the river of Babylon that they hang their harps on the weeping willow tree. And they could not sing the song of the Lord. They sang the blues. I, I, when I sometimes think about sometimes even the music that is written that we sing, we sing stuff like a few more weary days in then, or uh, one more valley and one more hill, and songs that seem to just talk about doom and despair all around us. Let me tell you, that's not the, the song we need to put on our harp. Because the Scripture goes on to say, that if you're seated by the rivers of Babylon, you're going to hang your harp on the willow tree. You're going to sit by the weeping willow tree, and you're going to weep and cry and boo-hoo about your problem. But if you sit by the river of God, and you sit by the river that's flowing from the altar, and you sit by the river that's flowing out from underneath of the household and the threshold of God, and you, you sit by the river that's declaring favor and grace, and you sit by the river that's preaching the gospel of peace, you're going to take your harp down off of the willow tree, and you're going to begin to sing the songs of Zion. And the song of Zion is the song of the new covenant. And here's the powerful thing. The scripture says, They of the captivity are requiring of us a song. I believe right now in the circumstances of America and all over the world, those of the captivity would like to require of us who are believers a song. Not a song of the blues, not a song of despair, not a song from the river of Babylon, but a song of Zion. Contrast that in Hebrews 12. He said, for you did not come to blackness and darkness, and fear and trembling. That's Sinai. And in the same next verse, he said, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. That's what we're talking about in this series on Reformation, is a return to Zion and to the city of the living God. And 
a song that flows from the new covenant. I believe if you take your heart down off of the willow tree, you will find your, your song being sung in the fifth chapter of Revelation where he says, and they sang as it were a new song. And it's in the context of where John the Revelator said, come and see, come and see, come and see. And it's followed up by, and I saw, and I saw, and I saw. But in that text, he said, I wept much. He was weeping. John was weeping. He said, I wept much because no man could take the book and loose the seals and open it. I believe he's talking, the little book there, I believe he's talking about the new covenant. No man was worthy to loose the seals and release the new covenant. Nobody could take the book of the life of the Lamb and release the life of the Lamb to flow. But he said, oh, John, don't weep any longer. Take your heart down off of the weeping willow tree. Don't weep any longer. For the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. And the Bible said they began to sing a new song. The new song is the new song of the new covenant. It's time we sing a new song. It's time that the new thing that God prophesied through the prophets was the new covenant. It's time to preach the new covenant, the better covenant, the new and living way. It's time to preach the new man. It's time to preach his mercies are new every morning. It's time to preach the new temple and the new Jerusalem. Hallelujah. And the new tongues and all that he is making new. But the scripture says, and they sang as it were a new song. And this is what they sang. Worthy is the Lamb because thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every nation and kindred and tongue and nation. And the release of that song, he begins to say in Revelation chapter 5, And I heard every creature in heaven and earth, and under the earth heard I saying, Worthy is the Lamb, for thou hast redeemed us. See, if it starts with angels in heaven declaring, Thou art worthy. You have taken the book and you've loosed the seas. It talks, it, it just, but then there's a trickle-down effect as it begins to reverberate until every creature begins to hear it. I believe that's the song that will cause the abundance of the sea to be converted. And it goes on to say that even the marshlands would be healed and the, it would go into the salt. It would be a great multitude of fish, but it goes on to declare that the, that the marshlands would be given to salt. And as I thought about that, I wrote in my notes, Colossians 4, 6, where it said, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. The message of grace put in the water will heal the waters and produce a multitude of fish and cause them to come in to the place where they enter in through the goodness of God. For it is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Listen, we've got an announcement of good news to make to the world. That's why it's called the good news is because it's the gospel that brings men and includes them. It's time to go fishing, folks, but it's time to fish with a bait that's attractive. It's time to fish with new covenant bait. God bless you. We're just about out of time. If you'd like to partner with our ministry and sow a seed into this ministry to help us to stay on the air, we truly need your help. And you can do that by going to our website, and there's a place where you can give via credit card or PayPal. You can even sign up for a monthly debit if you'd like to. You can also send a check or money order to the address that will come on the screen, or you can call that number that will come up on the screen, and someone will take your call. 
If no one answers, please leave a message and we will return your call. There is very limited staff we have, but we do need your help. So pray about becoming a partner and sowing into the ministry today. Do it right now. God bless you. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.